Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Evil Man. Guess what? Today we have a special, amazing episode because we've got a special guest, uh, a Toronto-based journalist and essayist, Sarah Haggy. everybody. Sarah. <laughs> yes, yeah, Sarah's hi. work is... Say hi. Yeah, say hi now. Hi. <laughs> yeah, Sarah's work has appeared in The Guardian, New York Times, New Yorker, GQ, That Hairpin, Vice, and now Gawker, which is back from the grave. And Sarah's also extremely good and funny on Twitter. She's one of my favorite, all-time favorite tweeters to oh. read and laugh at. And you can find her at Kinda Haggy. Thanks for joining us, Sarah. There, now you can say even more than hi. What's up? Oh, thanks, man. I'm so excited <laughs> to be here. I'm really excited to be here. Um, yeah. It's, I've been thinking about this since you asked, you know? Nice. We're excited yeah. too. It's Michael here, and I'm excited to have you here because this, this is a doozy of a topic we've got. Oh, yeah. Also, I didn't say my name yet, but it's Chris. But man, shouldn't you just freaking know that by now? Anyways. <laughs> yeah, There's I'm not going to say my name. What? I'm, I feel like I'm not going to say my name. Don't even say your name. Who cares? Yeah. Yeah, they can live with it. Don't yeah, thanks it, for James. joining us, Sarah. It's, it's nice to meet you. I've only seen you on twitter it is funny when you meet somebody that you feel like uh, oh i know that person but you really don't i don't you don't know me I at mean, all n- no i i don't know you at all but you know what based <laughs> on this conversation i think i'll know a lot about you yes yes <laughs> and that, that's revealing. not a test i i feel like this will reveal a lot you know yeah agreed Sarah, we can we can edit this out if it's too controversial but uh gawker is back as, as chris said and you're, you're mm-hmm. writing for the new gawker we have to. We talked about this before, because uh, they've taken that Hulk Hogan video down. They've scrubbed it from the internet because you're on the inside of Gawker. Do you have access to that infamous Hulk Hogan uh, pasta video? Uh, I don't know who Hulk Hogan is. No, um, <laughs> I'm not allowed to say his name. Uh, no, I actually, I, I don't. I don't have access to anything that's like. I think there's like an archive of old posts, but I don't have access to any. Uh, things like that. (laughs) Um, I do, I do often want to pitch like something Hulk related, but I do, I think it's kind of playing with fire, you know? But that is, can I just say before we move on, that is what I love about your writing and your Twitter. And we have talked about this in DMs before, but you are like, a freaking in these days and times you're an awesome rebel that just says the thing (laughs) and goes after people that really deserve it and it's really uh beautiful hilarious and refreshing to see uh i I do like that you you don't seem to have any qualms about taking risks and going for it whereas everybody else kind of walks on eggshells these days and i really really enjoy that yeah uh, yeah, I think that's honestly because like uh, there are no real jobs in media, so it's like there's no there are no bridges to burn because I'm like, right. well, like I like my job will be gone in like a year or whatever. Um, so it, it, yeah. like ultimately doesn't matter, and also people have such short attention spans that like I don't remember who I made fun of a month ago. Like I truly don't. <laughs> like, like it's just like, yeah, a thing. like it just pops up and it's a thing and it's over, you know. So it's I mean, no, nothing matters that much. Yeah, did your first Twitter get suspended? Is that true? Or for being I... a little bitch? No, uh, it didn't get suspended. <laughs> it was um, I deactivated 
And oh, okay. Okay. then someone like took like hacked it somehow and I couldn't get it back. So then I just didn't have Twitter for six months. And it was such a like I felt so disconnected from like any anything that was happening. I was like, oh, I guess like no one knows about anything people talk about online. That's so important. Um, yeah. And it felt really good. And then I got it back. So I'm, I'm back in the. <laughs> the craziness of it yeah okay i wasn't sure i got suspended and had to rebuild a a twitter following back up but yours following went like skyrocketed right away as soon as you were back like people um are hungry (laughs) for your tweets yeah i i really wasn't expecting that but also it was yeah i mean i felt like there was a lot of anger that wasn't placing anywhere i do this but i actually got into a fight with someone on linkedin during that time which was like <laughs> the, it was so dark like it was like someone placing me like oh yeah a little bitch like i just like kind of went after someone and i was, it, and I was like linkedin isn't the place for this because <laughs> no I, I have limited experience with linkedin but isn't it usually people like it was it during the process of like applying for a, a gig or was it something else like i just like had a linkedin i was like desperate for uh, connection and I, I saw someone that i had worked with like posted this thing and i was like this is stupid <laughs> and, it, and it was like i felt i felt so ashamed after like so ashamed but then i was like a part of me is like can i be like a a linkedin star like a dis- disruptor on linkedin like there's, there's like no the rob mark. delaney of linkedin yeah i, I mean it's all like a bunch of people telling stories about how to get jobs or like, you know, like weird, like bootstrap mentality, shit like that. And I was like, th- yeah. there's like a, a corner that hasn't been like people haven't gone there for LinkedIn yet. And I feel like I feel like there is a place for someone to be like the LinkedIn star that is like a bit anti LinkedIn. So I, I don't know. I'm not familiar with LinkedIn at all, except for I know it's a really like. It's a good punchline for jokes because it sounds so cheesy, but in, in in that it's giving advice, is there still a performative aspect in LinkedIn about people bragging about advice, like kind of like the righteousness on Twitter? Oh, you it's know, the like, worst. It's like it's, brag bragging and yeah. Yeah, I think you should spend some time there, Chris. Okay. <laughs> Do a deep dive. Oh god. Yeah. I think I think you're right though that it's almost like we have to adjust with Twitter that nothing matters too much because like every day I feel like I get up and I look at Twitter and then even sometimes when I agree with people, I'm like, Oh, this guy's pissing me off, you know, and I'll be (laughs) mad for like two hours. Then I'm like, why? I'm going to forget about it in a day. The dumb thing he said, you know? Yeah. It's, it's, it's that exact thing where, and, and I feel like, I don't know, no one, no one really cares. Like people, people say the craziest shit every day, you know? Yeah. it, there's really nothing i mean like i don't maybe i'll get like twitter canceled one day but i don't think that's gonna happen i know i know exactly how far to go it's fine i yeah you can talk as much shit as you want really you guys should all start talking so much shit on twitter everyone will be <laughs> like no one will know what to do well i saw a couple maybe other comedians um like subtweeting someone the other day and i was kind of like i didn't tweet it but i was close to tweeting it and then i was like ah fuck it i don't want to get involved but the thing was is i was this close to being like subtweeting uh in a community is like uh, like an only fans person who doesn't get nude it's like just show me the fucking thing like who is it 
<laughs> who the hell are you talking about? Show me the boobs. Who are you talking about? <laughs> Someone on OnlyFans just holding up pictures, like making fun of other people's naked bodies. That's like, yeah. Fun. I like yeah. Chris, how Chris just painted a visual of himself subscribing to an OnlyFans and being like, what the hell? Show me the thing. Yeah, you said... Yeah, but you know what I mean? Like, subtweeting is like a dumbass tweeze, uh, tease is what I'm getting at, you know? Like, just say who it is. Like, what the hell? Like, if you're already, like, uh, you know, if you care a little of them that you're dissing them already, just say it. Like, what are you protecting? Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. kind of like what Sarah was saying. Like, there's no job involved. Like, yeah, you're not gonna <laughs> no one's going to not hire you. There's no of. job. But, Sarah, what yeah. if one day you're, you're being interviewed to be to take over as the owner of the New York Times, and then during the interview they're like, "Oh, we see that in 2021 you gently made fun of Ted Lasso." Uh, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> I honestly like. Okay, the the only things that won't get you a job, like as far as tweeting goes, if you like say something about a kid, um, or you're like, or you've tweeted something. I guess in my case, there's no N word that I can't say, but <laughs> like, you know, like it's just like if you said the N word 10 years ago or like said something crazy, like, you know what I mean? And I, I would personally, if I really cared, I would just wipe all my like no one would know. I would just wipe them all out. Like, yeah. I don't know why people just don't do that all the time, but I know yeah. me. T I sort of feel like Twitter should erase it. Like your tweets should disappear. I kind of feel like. No one's looking back. The only reason people are looking back at old ones is to try to bust you for something. Yeah. You know, I have, I have looked up people and been like, I wonder if they've ever said it. <laughs> oh yeah, Did, have you busted anybody? You know what? That's kind of like a cool, like it's a, it's kind of a cool online social media like sniper move to do that. You, you know um, what I mean? It's I, just, I, like when you find it, when someone busts you, like quote tweets something from like. 2013 and go oh yeah check this out it feel like i can hear that sniper bullet go like you know like right at the person's head you know what i mean i i haven't i did find someone who did um just because I, I i i don't do it for randoms it's like if i have a suspicion that this person has probably said something crazy um and i was like you know what time will come for them <laughs> <laughs> And it did. It did. <laughs> I was like, this, it, it actually happened. Oh, wow. Um, but I, I was like, I'm not going to say anything. I have nothing to do with this. But That's wild. So you had a suspicion, you found it, but then just let fate take its course and someone else found it. Yeah. I wow. was like, someone else is going to find this and that will be their problem. I, I don't want to get involved in this shit. Oh, wow. <laughs> nice. That's so wipe your tweets, lads. <laughs> <laughs> were you inspired to hunt them out because they were being super self-righteous or because they were just straight up being a dick? Uh, they were straight up being a dick. Okay. And I was like, okay. you know what? I know, I know this person has said it. And there were like 20 tweets, my friend. Wow. That's a lot. I'll tell you who it is after. Nice. I was like, oh my God, like this is fucking crazy. Um, it was, it, there were many. We'll put the real wow. person's name in a Patreon episode uh, to be released at <laughs> a later date. Yeah, I feel like there's a few things we should talk about off the book later. Yeah, that'd be cool. Well, um, should we um, bring it around to our uh, evil man? Yeah. yeah, yeah the the real man who's been canceled. 
<laughs> and he's definitely not on Twitter. I know that. Yeah. Sarah, we asked you who would be a fun person to pick, and you chose this guest, the Unabomber. Yeah, Ted. Ted Kaczynski. Um, hey. You know, I picked him because I was thinking about, like, I didn't want to pick an obvious evil man. Like, I didn't want to go, like, Charles Manson or whatever, you know? Um, because also, like, I... I don't know. There's something that I feel like isn't explored about the Unabomber because I mean, like I wasn't really aware of, I I was a child when all that was happening, but you know, the, his legacy is like, Oh, he's like this genius who is in a cabin, like a remote cabin. (laughs) And like, everyone was so scared of him and he was so smart because he studied math or whatever. And like, everyone just thinks he's so and, ever, and and the thing that, like, I said this to Chris when he was asking me about this, but he's, like, the smart man's evil man, where people be like, you know what? You know, Bomber was a little bit right. He made some points. <laughs> and you're just like, shut up. Like, no, he didn't. Like, he's not smart. He wasn't good at his job. There was not, he had no redeeming qualities. He was just, like, stupid and evil, and everyone around him was stupid as well. <laughs> it is funny i did like just some you know reading up about him before this recording that when his manifesto which we'll get to when it was published there were all these like journalists or reviewers in like the, you know the new york times washington post like real journalists who were like you know he's uh he's got some good points he's not crazy and that was mind-blowing to me yeah i mean and the manifesto is so boring it's so long. He's such a bad writer. Everything about it gets me so angry. He's like, he's so mediocre evil. And he just has this legacy that everyone's like, oh, he's so smart. Right. It would have been I, funny if, um, if like when he published the manifesto, if it was like the guy who wrote Confederacy of Dunces, if people are like, this is brilliant. Like he becomes a <laughs> writing star. Wait, James, do... Maybe James, you do a quick overview. Yes, uh, of I'll, Ted I'll Kaczynski over- first before because this is yeah. getting too juicy too fast. I want to right. like really no, relish I'm sorry. it. I'm sorry. I, no, it's I'll good. I love how passionate you are about how dumb he is. <laughs> I'll give an overview and I'll I'll go through the Unabomber's life. So, yeah. uh, the Unabomber, whose name is Ted Kaczynski, was an American domestic terrorist, mathematics professor, and cabin lover. Between 1978 and 1995, he killed three people and injured 23 others in a nationwide bombing campaign of people he believed were advancing modern technology and destroying the environment. So, Ted was born in 1942 in Chicago. The Bears! Wait, he's right about technology. So, does that mean that he was right? (laughs) No, you're falling for it. You're falling for it. You're falling for it, Chris. Wait, this guy's pretty smart, actually. I will... I was saying before we recorded uh, that there are elements of Ted's like dream life that do make me think of Chris. <laughs> uh, um, so, uh, yeah, Ted's born in Chicago in the 40s. His dad was a Polish uh, sausage maker. Um, <laughs> uh, as a kid. Ted- That's what it was. That's what yeah. set him off. Pull a sausage. Uh, the the machines that made sausages got too complicated and took over. <laughs> uh, another day like, at work, Dad. Yes, yeah. the sausage machines are yeah. driving me mad. 
They got robots to make the sausages now. <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't make that sausage for you, Unabomber's father. Uh, okay, sorry, so, James. Probably not surprising as a kid, Ted, very smart. Uh, well, maybe it is surprising, yeah, but he sure. was smart, but he skipped a Not grade. as smart as Sarah, come on. Yeah, right, sorry, sorry. Um, but he was like math smart. He skipped a grade, and it maybe wasn't a great thing for him, <clears throat> because, you know, he's a young kid in class, he gets isolated and picked on, he starts being a bit of a loner. Um, also, as a kid, Ted had really bad hives, so he had to spend time <laughs> I mean, his condition was hives. Bio, yeah. He had hives. Wow, I'm going to show everyone recipe. that hives This is a suck. recipe for <laughs> wanting to kill everyone. Go on. Yes. Uh, well, this, these hives led to him spending time isolated in the hospital. So, you know, yeah. maybe he's getting used to being isolated here. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. His father and mother had to visit him in the hospital and sneak in a Polish sausage to keep him going. (laughs) It was very tough. Munch on this. Yeah, he put it up the sleeve, like how you sneak like a beer bottle out of the club, you know? Like he just like would slowly tease a sausage out of the sleeve of his jacket into Ted's mouth while he's in the hospital. So better than the sausage coming out of another part of his uh, clothing, don't you think, guys? Uh, Mm -hmm. Okay, all right. Good one. Did you bring mustard, Papa? (laughs) You didn't. I'm going to blow everything up. You didn't. I'm going nuts. (laughs) So, childhood, you know, Ted, he's super smart. He's shy. He's lonely. So, Ted's Ted's in high school. Um, You guys probably didn't know this. Ted played trombone in the school marching band. And Jesus. Ted was a member of the German club. Can He's I just make such one a loser? <laughs> Can I just make one sound quickly before we continue? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> now I, I did this is the only part of, of the Unabomber's story that I connected with because in high school I also played the trombone. <laughs> But I am proof that playing the trombone doesn't necessarily have to lead to a life of being a a murderer. Yeah, so why did Ted become the Unabomber and not um, a member of a ska band, basically? (laughs) (laughs) That's a great question. Yeah. He was so close to being in the Mighty Mighty Boston's, but he just went <laughs> off the rails. <laughs> I'm sure, I, I hope Sarah doesn't know that reference. I don't. I don't know what that is. I'm sorry. No, that's good. It's good for you. It's a yeah, an old ska band. <clears throat> I think we talk about ska every episode. <laughs> Here's another thing about Ted in high school. Um, so he's very interested in math, like kind of a loner. And Ted and some of his like-minded friends were nicknamed the Briefcase Boys because they'd bring briefcases to school. I remember this. Oh, my God. He's such a... His whole life, he's just a loser by choice. Yeah. I mean, I guess the hives wasn't his choice. But everything else, it's like, he did that to himself. Yeah. Yeah. Like, hey, ladies, um... Do you want to see my documents? Like, like. <laughs> yeah, you really don't need a briefcase in high school. I mean, you know, my lunchables are right here in my briefcase. It, I need, I, I think I need it's a like, code. I think, I think one thing about the Unabomber 
Ted, as I call him, mm. uh, is that it's like it's almost like he always felt like he was like far advanced, so much more far advanced than everyone. Like, oh, like I'm a teenager. I'm going to bring my briefcase to school, even though like, you know, he skipped a grade. He was clearly smaller than the other kids. Mm. Um, and it, it just like it, it again, it's like he's just doing making all these choices to get bullied, really. Yeah. Wasn't yeah, that? Ted doesn't seem very street smart. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but <laughs> but he's probably like he's unaware probably that like he's like does he even does it even register that being cool could be like fun as a youth? You know what I mean? Like Well, when was coolness being a cool teenager invented? Cuz he was in Yeah, that would have been the 50s or the 60s when he was in uh, Yeah, he could have worn like white rolled up sleeves with the ciggies so and the greased hair. It was so easy to be cool. So easy at that <laughs> yeah. point. Like, you don't even have to have, like, a social media presence. Yeah. You just have to look a certain way. Also, like, I, from what I recall when he was younger, he wasn't, like, ugly or anything. Like, it's not like we're dealing with, no, like, some, he's, like, gross No, he's kind of handsome. Guy. Yeah. Um, even, even in the cabin, he's not, he's not too yeah. bad looking, I'd say. Yeah, no, school. he has a look like he could have rolled with, like, the beatnik writers. Like, he could have... Hung out with Kerouac and like uh, Allen Ginsberg and stuff. He's got that kind of beatnik yeah. look, but uh, but then when you look deep into his eyes, um, yeah, there's nothing there. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no zest for fun. Um, so this is pretty. Actually, this was interesting. I don't know if you guys know this, but uh, <clears throat> so Ted went to Harvard, and uh, when he's in, and he went to Harvard at 16, I think. Yeah. Yeah, he, he graduated was like, high school at fifteen. Scholarship to Harvard at sixteen. He's like a fucked up Doogie Hauser, you know. He uh, <laughs> yeah could have could have used his smarts for good. Instead, he he didn't. And also made a, care, a cameo in Harold Harold and Kumar. Yeah, <laughs> much like Doogie. Sarah, do you get the Doogie Hauser reference? <laughs> yeah, I do. I do. That's yeah. Okay. No, I I know that much. Yeah, yeah. I saw the scene <laughs> recently where like he gets like fake seduced by um. Like an adult doctor, and but it's like a, his birthday party. Like she's like, "Doogie, come here! I want, I want you now!" And like he's sixteen, and then hands up. Like they turn the lights on in the surgery room, and everyone's like, "Surprise!" <laughs> what? A, that's a terrible prank. Doogie Hauser's just standing there with like a boner. Yeah, like he might have taken his pants and underwear off. I'm, I, <laughs> what was his journal entry like that night? Like, oh fuck. <laughs> Well, they really uh they really fucked me on this one today. This birthday surprise. <laughs> I thought I was finally going to lose my virginity, but it was just a bunch of dickheads throwing cake my way. <laughs> That's so funny. Well, I think the Harvard years are the from what I read, it's like when uh he sort of formed his f- philosophy, well, if I can use that there, word, that inspired I his bombings. I wonder if you've heard this. This was interesting. So while Ted was at Harvard, he participated in a brutal psychological study. Did you know this? Yeah, for like three years. Yeah. In the oh study. Oh my God, yeah. Yeah. Participants would write an essay detailing their personal beliefs and aspirations. And then the essays were turned over to an anonymous participant who would belittle the essay and make personal, personally abusive attacks while electrodes monitored the subject's reactions. And this yeah. lasted, yeah, three years with somebody verbally abusing Ted every week 
<laughs> um, at least according to Wikipedia, some have suggested that these experiments were part of MK Ultra, the CIA's foray into mind control. I don't know if that's true. Right. Um, uh, was hmm. it the same essay <laughs> every time that someone, a new person would be littling? Or was he writing like a new essay each time? Like, okay, okay, this is the one. Like, this is the one to like. <laughs> yeah, I really tried on this one. Yeah, well, they, they, they thought they were going into uh like the experiment was about debating basically but really the 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 experiment was to break them down to prove that they can break down the person and build them back up the way they wanted to so it does kind of sound mk ultra ish but right. ted kaczynski thought that he was supposed to argue his points all the time but really the guy was just belittling him nonstop for three freaking years I would honestly, I would relent so fast to that. Like, I would just be like, oh, okay, yeah, I guess, I guess you're right. <laughs> I would leave and be like, these guys suck. And then I would go eat a hamburger and have fun. Get the trombone out, have the friends over, have a good time. Well, I, I was reading, so these, yes, these experiments that he was subjected to or pointed to as like breaking his mind or whatever. The doctor who ran them, this guy, um, Dr. Henry Murray, he was a Harvard professor. Before uh, Harvard, he had developed a personality test like um, for the OSS, which was the precursor to the CIA. And this was a test that would sort of like assess the stability of applicants who wanted to be spies. Then they think hmm. that this experiment he did on like Ted Kaczynski over three years was used to develop interrogation techniques that the CIA could use. So he, you have Ted Kaczynski, who's like a very young, naive, unsociable student, being just like absolutely like mentally, emotionally destroyed by this program. Wow. It, I mean, it can't have helped. It, it could have helped. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Of all the people to walk into that study, you know? Yeah. Wow. That's like, You know what? We did this so many times. We just didn't know we'd get... What if, like, now they're like, oh, no, we, I think we got another Kaczynski. Like, every time <laughs> we do one of these experiments, it's like, we can't Kaczynski him, guys. We yeah. got to know when to stop. <laughs> I would love it if you found out that every other participant in that experiment turned out to be, like, John Wayne Gacy, Ed James, <laughs> Jeffrey Dahmer. <laughs> Like, it just <laughs> accidentally became a murderer factory. <laughs> yeah. And the CIA's like, so okay, good. we went a little far with the brain stuff. <laughs> it's like all the all-stars of, like, <laughs> true crime murderers. Yes. It's like, Bundy wow. was there? <laughs> yeah, they have to be like, in a way, it was successful. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Mike, was there any inference that the test was to like make him some kind of it operative. Wasn't, it wasn't like a Manchurian candidate from what I've understood. Like Chris, you were sort of going that way, but I guess there were experiments oh. where they, they were trying to see if they could brainwash someone and then like give them like a, a code word that would make them, you know, assassinate a politician or something. I don't think this specific experiment was, it was about, about just like uh, seeing how far you can push a human before they like, go insane basically send a bunch of bombs every yeah, yeah. I, I really think like maybe this is me just trying to be better than him because i i do think i'm better than him is that <laughs> okay. i think that's 
what it comes down to. I think I would be better at being the Unabomber than him if I had the resources. (laughs) I really like this angle. We have to get into it. So should we just say he left Harvard demented and isolated himself from his family and friends? And can we we get to the shack? Okay, okay. (laughs) Can Um, we get to the shack? What happens in the shack? If yeah. you see a stinky yeah, shack, shack at the end of the road <laughs> with the guy with the beard and ripped jeans, <laughs> run away! Yeah, yeah, this is the opposite of the love shack. Uh, yeah, complete not opposite. a love shack. The B-52s did not sing about this shack. You know what, though? I guarantee you at some point, Ted heard the song Love Shack and did think of his shack. He must have thought like... <laughs> Absolutely. Huh, it was his little in-joke with himself. Shack. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> I wish my shack was the love shack. Anyways, back to twisting wires around knobs. <laughs> so let me just blast through the 60s here. So he gets his doctorate in math. Um, oh, one thing that was sort of interesting, Ted considered doing a gender transition at this time, but changed his mind and felt like humiliated about it and said later he considered killing the psychiatrist he was talking to and said that was a major turning point in his life. So I don't know if that, I don't know. So did the psychiatrist talk him out of it? I'm not, I I got the sense, but I definitely could be wrong that it was the psychiatrist that he was talking about wanting to do it. So we'll, we'll follow up with Ted. We'll follow up with Ted. (laughs) So, um, Ted becomes an assistant professor at Berkeley. He's teaching math. His students don't like him because he's uncomfortable. <laughs> Wait a um, second. <laughs> yeah, I know. He wasn't yeah, a Mr. Holland type of teacher? <laughs> he wanted them to all, they were all like expecting this. Like they see him and, well, I guess Dead Poets Society hadn't come out. But like, I would assume it'd be like, oh, this is going to be like an experience. Like this is going to be a professor. He's going to like really teach me things. And he ended up being, yeah. maybe he, I think he was too serious about math. But anyway, go on. Yes, I think you're right. It said he just read straight from the textbook. Again, Shots. another thing he's bad at. Yeah. Yes. So he resigns teaching, finishes his mathematics work, which other like professors said was this brilliant math work that very few people would understand. And in 71, he moves to a remote cabin he built outside of Lincoln, Montana, where he could live a simple life without, with little money, without electricity or running, uh, running water. And he had this dream to like work odd jobs. And uh, he did receive like a lot of financial support from his family to do this. But he basically wanted to live this self-sufficient life autonomously and read classic books, which is, did make me think of Chris. <laughs> uh, what he talks about wanting to do all the time. And this is because um, he, he was... Mm disillusion with like the modern world and technology and he wanted to like become like feral right he wanted to get back to like yeah to nature um which drives a lot of his uh which drives all of his uh his bombings yeah absolutely so um yeah so he's living in this shack in montana and um trying to be just sort of really a man in the woods and in the mid 70s he starts sabotaging developments near his cabin with booby traps (laughs) Like Home Alone, I guess. I don't know. Um, <laughs> There's paint cans all over, swinging around. <laughs> yeah, yeah, mouse traps with nails in them. Yeah. He um, built his own micro machines to put on the floor for everyone to slip on. <laughs> the entire state of Montana. <laughs> Before he yeah. built homemade bombs, he built homemade micro machines for burglars to <laughs> step on. Yeah. 
Actually, the wet bandits did try to break into his cabin, but they weren't weren't successful. <laughs> um, so, so basically, Ted's reading all these books about political philosophies, hanging out in the cabin, and then one day in the early '80s, he gets super pissed off uh, because his favorite spot in the countryside, this beautiful ravine with a waterfall near his cabin, uh, he goes to visit it, and somebody built a road right through it. And Ted said, "Quote." You just can't imagine how upset I was. It was from that point on I decided that rather than trying to acquire further wilderness skills, I would work on getting back at the system. Revenge. Because of a road? The yeah. first thing people build, like, when they're able to build something. Yeah, yeah it wasn't like a... He didn't see a supercomputer in a field. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he should have just been mad at roads, maybe. The road is the straw that broke the camel's back. He's a public transit activist, uh, whatever, <laughs> activist. So then he started constructing So this is basically bombs. now like bomb time. Yeah. So between 78 and 95, Kaczynski mailed or hand-delivered a series of increasingly sophisticated bombs that killed three people and injured 23. Um, this is a bit lame. Many of the bombs had the letters FC inscribed on them, yeah. which Ted said stood for the Freedom Club. <laughs> if you put a T there, it could have been Toronto Football Club, TFC. Yeah. You know? uh, <laughs> he, but there was no club, right? Like from what I remember, I there, it was so. like a, it was like a thing to kind of like, it was like a decoy, like a stupid decoy. Yeah. One of his dumb ideas, idiot. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, I did read. Sorry, go ahead, Mike. Oh, I was going to say, and hearing you say that, James, he, he killed three people over like 25 years or whatever. As you said before, Sarah, he's like, he has such like a, a such a huge stature in the in like culture. Is like he's this mastermind killer. He only killed three people, which is sad. But I didn't know he had killed so few people. I thought he had killed like yeah, like forty, fifty people. Yeah, and I, and I think also it's not like he was trying to just maim people because like people did get injured, right? But I think he his point was fatal bombs after a certain mm-hmm. point. Like he was like, all right. I scared people enough. Time for the fatalities to start. And anyway, I'll let you continue, James, because I've I've plenty to say about his diary. Oh, I can't wait. Okay, well, <laughs> yeah, I thought that it was like he did want to kill people to bring it so that he could bring attention to his manifesto. Ultimately, but he was the the bombs where he maimed people. It's also because his bombs weren't good enough, so he was constantly trying to like. Sometimes he'd disappear for three years. And then another mail bomb would come back and it'd be a bit better. So I got the idea that for three years, he was like, damn it, trying to make it better than the last bomb. Like, he was always trying to, like, up his last bomb. Yeah, sort of, that's, that's the impression I got as well. Yeah. One, one thing that would have put him over the top as a, <laughs> over the top as a killer, didn't he, he, he planted a bomb in a, like, a commercial airplane that didn't go off properly, but had that, had that happened, he would have killed a few hundred uh, people, <clears throat> yeah, yeah, but he, yeah. yeah, but it didn't work. Yeah, it so Harvard work. isn't uh, isn't all it's cracked up to be. I guess. No, not. I at bet all. a U of T grad would have <laughs> pulled it off. <laughs> Did you guys know that he made his bombs like he he would put bits of a tree branch or bark in them, and a lot of them had themes of nature, like in the yeah. bombs. Yeah, really, he like, used like old. Yeah. Yeah, he. That's why I keep making the jokes about like 
wooden wa- wires. Like it, he he made bombs that looked like a farmer's fence. um i just want to say in in regards to the schooling too uh i'm a dalhousie uh dropout and the only thing i've done so far is electrocuted myself on a juicer (laughs) (laughs) i was trying to make a vegetable juice and i electrocuted myself so there you go yeah it's scary when you electrocute yourself huh you feel like someone's grabbing your arm and shaking it yeah, like, the devil. Ah! The devil's doing it. <laughs> yeah, the devil's doing it. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, Ted is sort of sending out these bombs, and he's he's targeting people he thought were representatives of modern technology. President, he sent one to the president of United Airways. A okay. uh, bunch of professors and graduate students, a geneticist, a timber industry lobbyist. It also, I, I mean, maybe I'm missing. Maybe you guys know this, but his targets are are sort of confusing to me. Like all these professors and graduate students are the ones making modern technology happen. I think it's because he, I think a part of it was also, he didn't really like he, there was such high promise for what he would become, you know, like getting into Harvard so young and like Mm. doing this and that. And I feel like, I mean, he was a bit of a jealous bitch. Like he, Mm. I think he really didn't like that. He wasn't uh, like, you know, he didn't make it. I think that right. was definitely a part of yeah, it. Yeah, it's bitterness. James, one thing I, I was surprised to learn was that the um, the FBI's investigation or like pursuit of the Unabomber was their like most expensive, maybe yeah. longest uh, manhunt. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was the uh, most longest and most expensive investigation in the history of the end uh, of the FBI. The NBA. <laughs> of the NBA. The NBA never had a more expensive investigation. They took, you know, the doping scandal or whatever they, yeah. Oh, and by the way, uh, they came up with the name Unabomber because they referred to his case as Unabomb, standing for university and, uh, yeah, university and airline bomber. And then the media was like, the Unabomber. And do you guys, you, Sarah, I feel like you are perhaps too young for this, but do you guys remember in the nineties, it was like real Unabomber hysteria. Like he was I a real remember. cultural figure. What's that, Chris? I do remember. I'm a lot older than Sarah. Uh, Mike and I are close in age. And then James, you're younger too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I do remember I was like a teen, a young teen when it, at the height of it. And I thought they called him the Unabomber because he, he, lived in a shack only wearing a unitard. Yeah. <laughs> or Uniqlo. Uh, yeah, he I remember, wore Uniqlo. I remember being a kid and my sisters, my older sisters, trying to scare me about the Unabomber. I remember what it was exactly, <laughs> but I remember being scared of him as a kid. And I, and I don't remember, like, I, just, I remember his presence, you know what I mean? Like, the, the loop, like, because think about it, if it was from 1972 to 1995, like, that could have been, like, someone their whole awareness of their life. It's like the Unabomber is this figure that they've heard of. You know what I mean? Yeah. That is yeah. an omnipresence. And that also uh, probably is what uh, inspired your, your, your lashing out at him in bitterness is that you were afraid of him at such a young age. That you, <laughs> you're, yeah, he ruined mail for you. He did. I was so scared. <laughs> um, the purest thing in the world and he ruined it. <laughs> 
you, Chris and Mike, you guys sent a couple clips of like a, a Saturday Night Live sketches featuring the Unabomber and stuff like that. Like he was kind of at the time, it was sort of like there's Monica, like Jay Leno would do like Monica Lewinsky jokes or yeah. Unabomber jokes, I feel like. Yes. It was a real thing. He was everywhere. Um, so the Unabomber is everywhere. And do you remember also the sketch drawing of him? Prior to catching him, it was sort of like a sexy looking like spy drawing. Do you remember that? Yeah, I I remember it from the documentary and he's like, yeah, like it's like you're like, oh, okay, like (laughs) I guess the Unabomber is like pretty cool. Like he looks cool. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like it's like, you know, like the aviator glasses, the hood up, you know, because he would take. Oh, yeah. A thing also was that. He would. He wasn't always mailing the bombs, wasn't he? Taking a bus from like, uh, from like Montana to Utah or something. Like he was like he was taking greyhounds at a time to yeah. deliver to like wow. hand deliver the bombs. So would he take the greyhound with that hoodie and like shades on the whole time? Like that's yeah, pretty. I mean, that's pretty. I don't think he really had the hoodie and the shades because when you see what he looks like, he doesn't look like he would ever buy a hooded sweatshirt. To me. Yeah, you're right. He'd have some sort of like workman's shirt with the three pockets. So I just have a bit of information now sort of about his downfall. And that's that's what I have here. So. So it's 95. America is is Unabomber going going Unabomber crazy. Kurt Cobain is um, no longer with us. That's right. It's a year after the Blue Album came out. It's a year before Pinkerton. So there's this real strange (laughs) period in American culture. <laughs> um and uh, the Ted sitting in Montana in his cabin writes a letter to the New York Times and he says I'm the Unabomber and I will desist from terrorism if the New York Times or Washington Post publish my 35,000 word essay called Industrial Society and Its Future. <laughs> and so have you read this Sarah? Um I've read so I have it open right here. Oh, nice. Um, because, so it's it's very easy to find. There's like, you know, Bomber Manifesto. And then I didn't realize how long it is. So it's like this essay that's like kind of broken down into parts. And it's like, in, like it starts with industrial society and its future, the psychology of modern leftism, and then feelings of inferiority. And it's like, just like the longest thing at each point is numbered. And I think... <laughs> When it ends, it gets to, he restarts again, but like, it's something around, along the lines of like a hundred and something, 232 points. Oh my God. And, and it's not good. It's not good. <laughs> it's not good writing. Mm. And, so- and he also, um, he says we a lot. Cause I think he, at the time he was also still pretending to be an organization like a you know what i mean like some sort of environmental yeah like you know he's like trying to make it seem like a collective which is why a bunch of people were like yeah maybe i want to join this freedom club thing um that didn't exist imagine like wanting like being inspired by something and then realizing it's a man in a shed like it's just like it's him it's like it's like not like it's literally just a guy and it's the like the worst most annoying man if you listen and and, like when they're interrogating him and stuff he's just you're just like him this mousy ass loser. I oh, sorry. I like once you get me started on hating him, I, I really can't stop. But yeah, it's it's not good. It, I mean, 
the points that it makes that everyone's like, oh, maybe he's uh, he's right about something. It's just about like how far the industrial revolution has gone, basically. Like, oh yeah, maybe we are kind of ruining the world. Maybe things, maybe there is a, an overconsumption problem. Like, it doesn't take a genius to know yeah. that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And like, technology has been evolving since he started being mad at it. And we're all still here, like living and living our life. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, not like billion, like billions of people on the planet can't afford to just be a luddite in the wood. That's not how everybody can live. You know what I mean? It's not functional. And he was getting money from his parents. He was getting money from his parents sometimes. <laughs> yeah, but right. that's the same as like he reminds me of like, uh, what is it, Henry uh, David <laughs> Thoreau. Thoreau? Is it? Yeah, yeah. because the, he, Thoreau wrote Walden. And it and it was supremely idealistic about being in a shack in the woods and living on your own in nature and learning how to do everything self-sufficient, just like the Unabomber. But <laughs> Thoreau was living in Ra- Ralph Waldo Emerson's shack, too. Like, people were paying for his life to, to live like that. You can't buy a house without help from your parents, and you can't become the Unabomber without help from your parents. It's just the <laughs> no, way it is in this economy. It's, yeah, yeah, it's crazy that you can't become a celeb without be, the help yeah, from your parents. You can't be famous unless your parents have money. Yeah, that's what it comes yeah, down and to. Unabomber got famous. Yeah, I know it is. It is funny though, Sarah, how you're saying like you think maybe like it's almost like a Fight Club, Tyler Durden sort of organization you're joining of like this really like shit, you know, <laughs> c- cool organization, and then yeah, it's just this guy in a shack who looks like he works at a hardware store <laughs> and who has no social skills. He did resonate with some like really. Uh, out there anarchist uh, sort of like fringe environmental activist groups right after afterwards yeah after it was published yeah now can i i when i was reading i didn't read full disclosure i didn't read all thirty-five thousand words of his, of his manifesto but i was surprised <laughs> to to in the summary see that he not only like supported uh the environment he railed against like modern technology but he also railed against leftist politics, gay rights activists, and feminism, which I hmm. didn't expect. Yeah. Me neither. I, I really, it's like, nothing about it, nothing that happened to him, like, I'm not saying, like, enough bad things can happen to someone, and, like, yeah, I understand why they're Unabomber, but then I, I, try, I tried so hard to understand him, I feel. Where it's like, you're, you're some genius, you know, like some like math prodigy. And th- this is what you do. Like, <laughs> like, it's just like, there's so many other things he could have done. Like, I mean, he could have been like, whatever. I'm not going to go with the ways he could have actually killed people. But it's like, I just don't know why he was so set on the whole bomb thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know what, Sarah? He's a math genius. He has these problems with modern technology. I mean, why didn't he devote his life to creating some sort of ecological technology or something you know what i mean yeah or at least like and just like kind of going back to how bad his bombs were like (laughs) when when he the the best part for me in like the documentary was when they'd read out his diary and he'd be like and i think he would say stuff like not uh, I couldn't make a fatal bomb again this time like and he had this like like you know he like created this like whole like cipher to like write in his journal or whatever and he'd be like yep uh no one died this time 
but you know what? Next time I'll get him. Like, you know what I mean? It's like he's like disappointed himself and then he ends up doing it. And you're just like, fuck you. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, just do one thing. Do one thing. And I forget. Was he reading how to make bombs from a book? Like, was it like like some sort of like chemistry thing? Like, I just imagine him with like a chemistry textbook or something. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I don't, don't know. know. Yeah. Do you know, Chris? No, I that actually I like. Yeah. After Sarah said she wanted to do Ted, I watched that four part <laughs> Netflix documentary, too. And I don't recall any information about what he was going by to build these bombs i mean clearly there's no um internet uh what was that uh the maybe he had a copy of the anarchist cookbook i don't know and and his neighbors also were like you know i feel like one thing that also struck me was like you know when someone comes out and they're like a murderer or whatever um you know their neighbors are like you know he really kept to himself like he was really like you know, like, I, I didn't know he had people in his basement or whatever. But for him, like, his only neighbors were like, yeah, of course. Like, I like <laughs> I knew he was up to something. Like, this guy was not right. Like, you know, like, he, like, he, like, sabotaged this um, kind of, like, mill or something that his neighbors owned. Like, there was, like, yeah, so was much loud. stuff. That, like, he, yeah, yeah, he, like, terrorized his neighbors. He was so mad. And it's like, they were here first. Yeah, like you just came here and built a shitty cabin, and you're getting <laughs> all mad first at person them. Account. There was the first person account too of the neighbor's daughter bumping into him in the woods and basically screaming and running away. Remember that? Yeah, <laughs> and that's way before anyone knew he was the Unabomber. It's just like ah, scary man. <laughs> <laughs> but I, you know, it'd be really funny if like because we don't know how he learned how to build the bombs. It'd be really funny if the first bomb he ever made was a package someone opens it and once they open it the mechanism just lights a match (laughs) (laughs) like he makes a mechanism that strikes a match once you open it (laughs) um before we get to his apprehension i just wanted to say uh his uh his manifesto so yeah he sent letters to the new york times and the washington post saying like please publish this or else i'll bomb again and they were kind of like, oh, should we do this? Should we give him a platform? And then uh, Bob Guccione of Penthouse magazine, he was the first to step up and say, we will publish his manifesto in Penthouse. And then Ted Kaczynski <laughs> was offered this, and he, and he actually responded and was like, mm, I was hoping for a more prestigious publication. <laughs> if Penthouse does this, I will kill someone. <laughs> Minimum Playboy. Playboy, you know, there's some good writing in there. Yeah. Yeah, I, didn't, I wasn't... Ted uh, Ted Kaczynski's like I wasn't a huge fan of your Caligula film, uh, so but, uh, wasn't also like so he got um, found out through like there was like a million dollar reward by the time he got found out right right yeah. and and I, and his family just ended up getting it because it was his <laughs> sister in law who read the manifesto. And then looked at old letters from that he'd write his brother who he wasn't talking to because he just hated his sister-in-law. And she was like, oh, that's Ted. And she'd never even met him before. Like, that's how much that's how that's how much she hated him. And like Like how annoying he must be. Yeah. Like like when his brother got married, uh, they received a huge, long ranting letter from Ted Kaczynski uh, (laughs) saying saying that, like. You don't think of us as brothers anymore. I'm not going to talk to you. I'm disowning you, basically because he married this woman, and then 
I guess in Ted's mind, sullied their close bond as brothers. So clearly he did have like a, a weird misogynist streak in him against women. And then also uh, he wrote long ranting uh, letters to his mother as well that kind of were like blueprints or like first drafts of the manifesto. But, <laughs> but, but basically just on the letters that the brother got... Um, and he would be like, geez, look at Ted. He's really angry. I wonder if Ted's okay. He's really angry. And basically, his smart wife would read them and be like, uh, you get that he's mentally ill, right? And the brother would be like, no, he's just really smart. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's the thing. So, Everyone was just like, oh, you know, the, the plight of a genius. You know, he can't, yeah. find, he can't make any friends. Like, he's, like, super shitty to be around. Like, no, like, he will drop, like, he dropped everyone in his life because he was so smart. And yeah. he was just like, oh, my God, like, academia fools everyone. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is, like, the, and also the FBI was so stupid. Like, they, this took, it took so long to find this guy. Yeah, but can I just say, like, yeah, so, like, um, when the brother was always like, I don't know, he's just smart. So, he, but he's like, you know, he he's a bit peculiar. Um, so then they would read these letters, and 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 his wife would be frightened by the the tone and the rambling of the letters. Then finally, the Unabomber's uh, manifesto was published, uh, and the the I forget, but the wife had to go somewhere travel. Like they live in the middle of nowhere too. Had to travel to find a copy of the paper. Uh, Mike, I'll let you talk about that. But like when she read the letter or the uh, manifesto, she goes, uh, this is your brother. You know that, right? <laughs> right. Cause- like it basically read like all the ranting letters he had been sending to his family. Right. Yeah. That that's is how they wild. busted him. It so, wasn't yeah, like t- they're not. There was a reward, but I don't think they were genuinely motivated by the reward. I think no, they, no, were, no, no. they were motivated by. A, a sense of like yeah we gotta do the right thing here and so his brother basically went to the fbi and turned him in and they yeah. his uh brother against brother you know what i read was yeah so the the essays in the in the post like you guys said his uh, sister-in-law is like this is your brother david and uh <laughs> why don't you like my brother <laughs> yeah you never have liked ted <laughs> never doesn't matter what he does you know we think my brother's a Unabomber now? <laughs> the brother was like, yeah. The brother was First like, well, I guess there are Easter. some similarities in the manifesto and in this letter to me. They both say, stinking technology can rot in hell. <laughs> <laughs> I love the idea of him sending early drafts of his manifesto, though, to his mother. That is an interesting... Yeah, yeah. that's a bummer. Yeah, that's the main thing that yes, they dear. found it, because she was 100%... Uh, the, the wife was 100% convinced, the sister-in-law... But the brother was still like on the fence. He clearly didn't want it to be his brother. And then they went to visit the mom, uh, you know, shortly after and saw the stacks of letters that Ted had been sending her. And one of them was basically like a first draft blueprint of the manifesto with the same themes and same. Happy Mother's Day. (laughs) At the end of the manifesto. Yeah. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's um, Day. Remember, burn all your robots. <laughs> well, yeah. So, so did you guys see? So, so just like you say, yeah. His sister-in-law reads a manifesto, and they and they uh, they turn him. They go to the FBI, but uh, Ted's brother wanted to be anonymous. Um, he didn't want to like have it be that he turned his own brother in, but yeah. his identity was leaked to CBS News. 
So um, yeah, they screwed him. That's yeah. kind of sad. Don't trust yeah. the media, you know. I'll, Not the mainstream media. Wait, now that I'm thinking about it, do you think this like ties back to the experiment he was a part of in his early days, where it's like you know he was writing this essay, these essays or whatever for three years, and people would just like be knocking them down, like no, you idiot, like it's all like you know what I mean, whatever the experiment was, and then he finally had his essay published in the Washington Post and like the New York Times, right? Yeah, yeah, every yeah. freelancer's dream. I, I, yeah, honestly, it's, that's every writer's dream, really. But <laughs> well, yeah, in the documentary, I feel like I I'm trying to remember. I think he does say something like, "Yeah, uh, you know, if I didn't kill people, would you have published my manifesto? No, you would have just laughed at it." So, in a way, he was kind of almost justifying his uh, mail bombs as a way to get his voice heard uh, in his political belief, which is fucking psycho <laughs> and then on trial though too he his defense attorneys were like you gotta plead insanity trust us mm. and he was like no if i do that it'll discredit my amazing manifesto and it'll look like the work of a madman instead of the work of a perfectly sane academic <laughs> <laughs> you know what's crazy is that also like if the technology existed he could have self-published this and made it like a Kindle right. or something. <laughs> yeah, have it be an Amazon downloadable thing. What an idiot. Yeah. This could be on Amazon right now. That's a great With like point. a cool like uh, cover, you know, of like robots <laughs> burning the forest. <laughs> with flames coming out of at their the mouth. Time, at the time he's making, he's like, oh, I wish there was a way I could just like publish this on my own and have it a part of a <laughs> network where everyone can read it. <laughs> And just like he invents the internet yeah. and Amazon all at the same time, like self-publishing and everything. Yeah. The internet and Amazon could have saved his, you know what I mean? It could have been really good for him. Instead, he's out here <laughs> rallying against it. Well, apparently um, he's he did make a couple copies with a stapler and he went to a zine fair, but no one cared. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is too long. It's 35,000 words, guys. Like, I mean, I don't know what you want me to do with this. It's yeah. It's crazy to think that it was physically printed. Like, there were copies of that. Everyone had... It was like, you know, honestly, like, kind of the good old days. Like, you know, everyone... <laughs> it's like when in a movie when someone would publish something in a newspaper and you see everyone reading it or whatever. But that was like... It was just the Unabomber's version of that. It was like he got... You know what? I hate his guts because he's stupid. But that was... That's pretty... That's a win. <laughs> just imagining someone like getting going to the newsstand like morning mac and then like getting the new york times like here's the new york times sunday magazine and what's this section oh the unabomber's manifesto <laughs> i feel like all like yeah i feel like all like uh well i guess no now that you think about it when you technology and the advancements and everything i guess with every all of the like weird blogs turned into like news sites and it does seem like crazy people's rants get pu published all the time now no sweat right <laughs> true god like can that, you imagine like that is most of media now i mean he could have i'm just imagining him being like i did a thing yeah <laughs> so i did a thing <laughs> yeah baby's okay, first baby's <laughs> first freelance gig yeah, like someone could have like he could have posted a link to his manifesto, and someone would have been like, "I love this for you." 
<laughs> Let people Guys, enjoy things. Did a thing finally in the New York Times. Uh, like just yeah. like. <laughs> <laughs> he could have started like a Breitbart esque type of website. Honestly, yeah, he could have. He really could have. I think also it's like, yeah, I think he just wasn't. Again, it, like it all goes back to, and I really feel like a part. Maybe this is me, like kind of being a bit too much of a conspiracy theorist here but i think a part of us all like believing he's smart implicitly like that he, he was just this ex- like do you remember even in goodwill hunting that scene where he's like there was a math genius and blah 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 like would you would have and then he's like that man was ted kaczynski like that's like the punchline of like oh it's really dangerous to be super smart um and I feel like we're we were fed this lie of him being smart because of the FBI's incompetence. Like they mm. could have found like they they fucked up so much of the evidence stuff. Like they could have found him. They weren't taking it like seriously in the right way. Like the people who did have something to say, like, oh, maybe we should look at things this way. Like they weren't listened to. And so now we think, oh, it just took so long because he was such a genius. Not that like it took so long because he was so stupid and the FBI was even dumber than him. I love like that. This- Anybody who outsmarts the FBI is a super he mad genius. genius. I did read that even when they even when uh Ted's brother came to the FBI, there was still like a lot of people in the FBI who were like, nope, it's definitely not Ted Kaczynski. <laughs> yeah, they really did seem to screw up. Wow. Um, yeah. So what, how did the trial pan out? He, uh, he ended up getting... Um, it was, you know, big star-studded trial. Judge Ito <laughs> was there. No, uh, he, in 96, he uh, was arrested in his cabin. And uh, yeah, he pled guilty served eight life sentences. And this was weird. This is the last little tidbit I have. In jail, Ted befriended Ramzi Youssef and Timothy McVeigh, the perpetrators of the 1993 World Trade Center bombing and the 1995 Oklahoma City bombing. The trio discussed... Yeah. I mean, this is according to Wikipedia. The trio discussed religion and politics and formed a friendship which lasted (laughs) until McVeigh's execution in 2001. They were like a super group of like, <laughs> yeah, shitty spot. traveling like Wilburys. Tra- yeah, exactly. <laughs> super mad geniuses. It's like they have Lex like a Luther. Patreon. <laughs> hey, we're getting together. But imagine them like we're having a gentleman's salon tonight to discuss <laughs> they world probably affairs. Thought they were, that's the thing. They probably like he probably thought he was also like the smartest person in jail. Like he was like a sideshow <laughs> Bob type, where he's just like guys, like I'm. I'm the Unabomber. I don't know if you guys know this. Yeah, <laughs> like, all the way back in like, 1996, he was like, ha, 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 ha. you think this jail cell will hold me? Fools. <laughs> and yet he's still in jail saying that every day. Yeah. He thinks he's like that a Lupin, that, that guy yeah, or something. Yeah. Uh, you guys oh may God. have, uh, you know, like Timothy McVeigh and the other guy are like, you know, we killed many, many more people than, than Ted. But he's just so smart. He's the best of us. <laughs> it's like he's riding on that Harvard thing. Like, I actually did go to Harvard, though, guys. Like, I know you, I know you technically killed more people, but I, I went to Harvard and I was in a remote cabin for years. So, um, yeah, it's, reading it's books. So, it's so insane to think of him like, I mean, I'm guessing he was in like kind of like a special solitary kind of thing. Um, I wonder. But... It is crazy to imagine him like 
in the same prison as like all these other people who've like done really nothing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know you're right. And he, yeah. It's it's almost like he kind of did nothing in the grand scheme except be a pest for 20 years or so. Uh he did kill a few people, which is bad and he maimed some people, but you're right, it's not like his buddy McVeigh kind of, you know, that was really traumatic and insane, but he was just a little pest. Here's my impression of uh, of um, Ted Kaczynski in prison right now. Super genius. <laughs> Security guard walks by and goes, uh, oh, hey, super genius. Uh, what are you reading now? Some sort of uh, kind of, uh, you know, some sort of whatever. And like <laughs> philosophy. or the, And then the Ted's just like, Oh, this is called Money by Martin Amos. <laughs> <laughs> like he's kind of just re- all reading regular books. Oh my god. <laughs> Guys, wait. I have to read something. I have to read something to you. Can it continue to be This is this is really good. Um Okay, wait. I can't believe I just remembered this right now. Uh <laughs> This is like Well, we can is- edit out my bad joke and go right <laughs> no, to your, no, no, no. your great really thing. Good. Okay, so are you guys? Do you guys like? I don't know how much dudes know about celebrity gossip, but there is uh, a website called Crazy Days and Nights. Do you, have you guys heard of it? No, no, no. Okay, so Crazy Days and Nights is like the number one blind gossip item website, and it's owned by this guy who's no one knows who he is, but he's called NT, which is like short for Entertainment Lawyer. So he has all this gossip on celebrities. A lot of it happens to be true if you read through it, and then. The item is revealed. Okay, um, so this is <laughs> this is one from March seventh, twenty twenty one. Blind items revealed. Uh, <laughs> 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 I'm sorry. The authorities have intercepted correspondence between two people: a young foreign woman who has been in the news a lot for the last few, few years for speaking her mind on a particular problem and an infamous individual whose time in the public eye was before she was born. The infamous individual wrote something a long time ago that became public that the young woman agrees with. She's been discussing both theory and implementation with him in the letters. So these two people... It's Greta, Greta Thunberg no. Are you kidding? No. I don't know. It's, it's definitely like one of the ones that's not real. But I remember my friend sending it to me and being like, you have to see this. Wait, it's not real? I mean, it probably, it likely isn't. It likely is like one that is like, you know, one of the super like unrealistic fake ones. Like it's really hit or miss with this guy. <laughs> but I just think yeah. the idea of it, whether it's real, whether it's not, is just so funny <laughs> to imagine yeah. Greta Thunberg being like, oh, I'm going to send the Unabomber some letters in prison. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that'd be yeah. amazing. After all this like championing and hero worship we've done in the last few years, she just like uh, ruins it completely by being like, and another thing Ted Kaczynski said was... <laughs> And also, I think the Unabomber was good. She goes to the UN and makes it. (laughs) My friend Ted. And like, (laughs) and you're like waiting to hear who Ted is. And then it's revealed the whole time. So I went Ted Kaczynski. (laughs) I love that. That's funny. 
I really You know what I hate to admit it? I really hate to admit it, but who was it? Was it Trump? And I really, really, really hate to admit it. But when he said that some I think it was him that said she should be going to the movies with friends. (laughs) Was that Trump that said that Greta Thunberg did? I hate to hate to hate to hate to say it, but I thought that was funny. It's it was I mean that's a whole other discussion, but yeah. When he was yeah. funny, he was funny. Let's not lie here. But also, I do, <laughs> I do think it's. I'm like, oh, like imagine she got so pushed past her like boiling point of like having dedicated all her teen years. <laughs> She's just like, you know, I'm gonna like pull from the manifesto. I'm gonna make my own, yeah. and you know, like we'll see what happens. You know. Yeah, somebody yeah. needs to keep an eye on her. What do you think he's aware of now? as far as the world goes that's what i wonder like what do you think he knows about like do you think if he Mm. found out about like love island he'd be like (laughs) Like, he's like you mean i can pause it and turn the tv off and come back anytime later and it'll be right where i left it (laughs) yeah like because the internet basically took off when he went to jail yeah yeah he might have been the thing holding it back yeah but yeah if he came out now oh boy he kind of got what he wanted because he got to be in a place that it, it could help him avoid most of the modern world. I mean, there's probably a TV and a gym in his prison, but... I think, actually, that's how that docuseries ends on Netflix. Is uh, And I'm not joking. It ends with him saying that he's got to watch. He's getting too comfortable there because it is like what you said, Mike. It is what he wanted. Like, huh. solitary, solitary um, yeah, loneliness with just... A, it's all he needs and like books and that's it. Yeah. It's a picture of Timothy so McVeigh and him with his arm around him. I bet he was also so bad at being like a survivalist. And <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, like I watch these survivalist shows and in my mind, I'm like, he could have never lived as off the grid as he pretended he wanted to. Like he couldn't like really hunt an animal. Like, he could barely kill a human. <laughs> yeah, what the hell did he eat? He probably just ate, like, zoodles or alpha getty. I blew the ears off a rabbit I wanted to eat, but that's it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can't even open this damn can of beef <laughs> Mom, Dad, come quick. <laughs> Dad, can you mail me some sausages? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. when he was arrested there's, here's one thing we could talk about for a second um, some people believe that he was also the Zodiac killer because he had been in the Bay Area around the same time that the Zodiac killings had occurred and there was a similarity in the sort of taunting letters he, uh, he wrote to the cops but I think everyone agrees that uh, Ted Kaczynski was not the, uh, the Zodiac killer if he was I would I mean, I'm using the word respect, not in admiration. <laughs> but I would honestly be like, okay, like he's more of a legitimate, like, you know, he, he, yeah, you know, like this makes like the Zodiac killers infinitely more terrifying mm-hmm. yeah. than the Unabomber. If he was the Zodiac killer, I feel like his manifesto would be in that like code that the Zodiac, you know, took like 30, 40 years to solve or whatever. Don't you think? Yeah, I think so too. And I also think the Zodiac Killer is a real smart one here. 
Do you think, Sarah, do you think the Zodiac Killer's uh, letters are better written than Ted Kaczynski's manifesto? Yes, absolutely. They're brief. They're to the point. They have a, there's a clear voice. And he does um, jokes too, right? He's kind of like, he's playful. <laughs> yeah, it, he he definitely has more of a personality than Ted. Yeah. Uh, I just want to say, guys, I want to ask, uh, now that we've, uh, we've uh, done all this on the podcast, are you guys worried that we're going to all receive a package in the mail that has hand scribbled words Amazon on it <laughs> <laughs> in like magic marker. <laughs> There's a wooden crate that says Amazon on it. This must be, yeah, I don't remember. <laughs> and there's yeah, steam coming out of Amazon, it. <laughs> but this is definitely a box from Amazon. What if I, what if I had all your addresses without you really knowing it? And de- like, you know, months from now, like, yeah. would you guys suspect it was me? <laughs> um, yeah, because you just said this thing right now. <laughs> yeah, right now I would. Yeah, I mean, uh, say I didn't say. Like, would you? Would your mind go like, oh, it's 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 Sarah messing with us after the bomber thing? Actually, you don't know how paranoid I am. I would think that Ted Kaczynski listened to the podcast <laughs> and wanted revenge Greta for Thunberg like us. Listened and she was like, no. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think I think after every episode, almost Chris is like, do you think that guy's gonna listen to this and kill us? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, even if it was like Ivan the Terrible, I'm still like worried about an ancestor finding me. <laughs> Yeah. Um, oh, man. Can I bring up two two little things before we we wrap up here? Um, mm-hmm. So the uh, one thing is that Ted Kaczynski. It appears from what I read that he so he's in jail still. He's seventy nine years old. Um, it appears that he is a virgin. Um, and just before he was arrested in ninety six, I guess he had been carrying on a correspondence with a woman in Utah. Where it, you can read the letter online, where he's like, "I have, uh, I love you, and I'm, I'm willing to break my c- celibate lifestyle to, to be with you. Even oh, I I'll, hope I'll come to Utah, even though all those Mormons don't like sex. I, I want to do it." And then he was immediately arrested. So it seems like he's a 79 year old uh, virgin behind bars. Um, you know what? I would say maybe he's not only because, like, hmm. I'm sure he has so many women who are so hot for him. Right. Yeah, uh, and like maybe he is allowed conjugal conjugal visit. visits. You have to dress up like a farm woman and or like it's a like tree. that. It's like that meme <laughs> when it's like E girl and her Unabomber boyfriend. <laughs> e girl and her Unabomber boyfriend. <laughs> you know, Ted yeah, and they needs- say all these gross like explosion and bomb euphemisms while they're doing it in the trailer <laughs> and stuff. <laughs> Ted. Ted really, you remember the 40-year-old virgin, Ted really needed Timothy McVeigh and the uh, the other guy whose name I forget to be kind of like Seth Rogen, like be like his crew to have like helped him get laid, basically. Maybe, yeah. maybe he found love in prison and we just like, you know, it's super low key and the right. woman he fell in love with uh, isn't allowed on the internet. <clears throat> so she hasn't told yeah. anyone. Yeah. Um, I wonder right. also if he talks to his brother. I don't think he does. I I don't think he does because it seems like by the time he was figured out, like he was already quite estranged from it. Like, I think he truly hates his brother for (laughs) getting married and like finding love. Mm. Like he, like, I think it was like, it was like, he was like, I'm dropping you. It's over. And they were very close. Right. Like, yeah. For most of their lives. So did his brother and his wife get a million dollars? 
yeah, I think it just went back to his family. Like, I think it was like his brother and his sister-in-law and his mom got all that cash. So do you, so do you remember, Sarah, like in the documentary, like it shows where they live and they also live isolated in a, like a, a, what looks kind of like a self-sufficient house in the middle of a desert. Yes. That is so they, weird. What is wrong with They probably with purchased people? that land with the money. <laughs> well, speaking of, of remote uh, dwellings and stuff, the cabin that the Unabomber lived in, uh, 10 by 12 feet, uh, it's currently on display at the FBI Experience Museum in Washington, D.C., and what? you can take a self-guided tour of it. Um, yeah. And, and I heard, too, like, apparently, like, even though they moved it from... Uh, the woods there all the way to the museum apparently even to this day it still smells like farts (laughs) (laughs) i'm dead for sure now he'll never hear this it's it's literally impossible for him to hear this (laughs) i don't know maybe some maybe his girlfriend's recording all the media appearances people have made about him on a like cassette like maybe he's like okay with technology that ended like when he was arrested he's like nope not moving forward from that he's a tape guy yeah i barely accept dvd i i just like i want to know and just out of curiosity, like, I can't stop thinking about how he, like, I'm just, like, imagining the weirdest pairings, like, him discovering Cardi B. Like, just seeing the music <laughs> video for WAP or something. Like, you oh. know, like, just, like, that's, like, the first thing, first video he sees. He's like, you know like, what? I think I love technology now. <laughs> no, he would probably be mad. He would probably be like, wet ass pussy was exactly what I was warning you about. <laughs> Oh, boy. <laughs> oh my god yeah i love the idea of him being like titillated by uh megan the, St- the stallion and like hating it just hating it uh, no <laughs> my angry boner no <laughs> he puts a little bomb on it oh <laughs> yeah <laughs> His celebrity crush is just Megan the Stalin because that's the only celebrity he's ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> that would be amazing. Posters of Megan the Stallion all over his jail cell. <laughs> She's Ted great. loves Megan just like in a heart on his prison wall. <laughs> She's the one that changed his mind about everything he's ever done. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just because a guard was listening to WAP. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I love that. Well, I guess that uh, about does it for the Unabomber. Thank you so much for joining us, Sarah. That was so funny and uh, so nice of you to to join us. Oh, thank you guys so much. This was this was so fun. It was uh, truly, it's like the best kind of podcast to be on where it's, I mean, I never really get to talk about the Unabomber. Um, <laughs> really? <laughs> he doesn't, he just, you can't really, uh, you know, put him in a conversation casually. So I got it all out. Right. Excellent. Well, what we could do is we could have you on every week as the guest and we just talk about new aspects of the Unabomber's life and stuff if, if you <laughs> care to keep that going. I think I'm going to start writing Unabomber fan fiction. I'm actually like, <laughs> when we hang up, I'm Googling like to see if people have been writing fan fiction about him because there has to be. There has to be someone who's writing stories about him. All right. Well, that was a lot of fun. Thanks so much, everybody, for listening. And thanks, Sarah, again for joining us on another episode of... 
This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network.